Hello and welcome to Lit Service, where we are fans of fiction and purveyors of dodgy writing advice. My name is Caitlin, and the most adrenaline-heavy thing I've ever done... Well, I was probably rock climbing, I guess. Well, actually, rappelling is scarier than rock climbing because you don't have as much control over what you're doing and you're just going to help. But yeah, they're both pretty scary. <laughs> I'm Kristen, and the most adrenaline-heavy thing I've done was a bit of an accident. I got pressured into uh, skiing a black diamond on like the first time Ooh. I had ever gone skiing as an adult. It was <laughs> wow. terrible. I have not gone skiing oh, since. <laughs> that was the first of last. That was a yes. series wrap on skiing. <laughs> I'm Aaliyah, and the most adrenaline-heavy thing I've ever done was... Um, so I was up on the platform of this third level Olympic high dive and then I turned around and went back down the stairs. Correct. But it was such a rush. <laughs> Just standing at the top. <laughs> I love it. That sounds about right. Um, hi everyone. I'm I'm Margaret Owen. Um I don't really do adrenaline. <laughs> I'm a huge wuss. So um, I think probably hurting myself by walking into things or like careening <laughs> into open traffic is usually about the speed of adrenaline for me. <laughs> Nothing scarier than that, though. Let's be yeah, real. Like, I think maybe I, w I went on the Avatar ride at Disney World last year. And that was there was a lot of it swooping. Counts. It counts. It counts, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> but yeah, other than that... Um, no, I, I live very safely in my apartment bubble. <laughs> I feel like that's a, an okay way to go. It is smart, honestly. Not cause anybody's death, including my own. <laughs> Just fictional deaths. Yeah, so many of those. <laughs> so as you may have noticed, we're very happy to welcome Margaret Owen onto the show this week, who's the author of the Merciful Crow duology, Little Thieves, and the upcoming sequel, Painted Devils, which is releasing on May 16th. And then also The Grimoire of Grave Fates, which is coming out on June 6th. Okay, tell us about your books that are coming out. So uh, Painted Devils is the sequel to Little Thieves. Um, Little Thieves, for anyone who hasn't read it, is basically, it's a retelling of the Goose Girl, um, but it's more like if a Grimm's fairy tale had the uh, horrible goose from Untitled Goose Game as a protagonist. It's uh, <laughs> it's very chaotic, uh, but it follows a an, a scam artist who has stolen the, the place of a princess and winds up cursed to return everything that she's stolen um, and has to deal with that. And Painted Devils follows her on another uh, misadventure where she has accidentally started a cult. and uh, <laughs> As one does. As one does. <laughs> and uh, the it, it basically her, her, the boyfriend that she kind of ghosted on uh, shows up to investigate the cult. And um, the god that she made up manifests and claims him as a virgin sacrifice. And they have like, until midsummer to figure out either an alternative sacrifice or a way to disqualify him. <laughs> and you're right. And, but they're also, you know, negotiating that relationship as well. Um, so it's, it's just a, a whole lot of chaos too. Um, and then Grimoire of Grave Fates is an anthology set in a magical boarding school that, um, has kind of tried to take some some steps to be more accessible and more, you know, intentional, but not always the most successful, where a much non-loved, much unloved, uh, much reviled professor has been found murdered. And uh, it follows 18 different students by 18 different authors uh, who are either connected to or suspected of being the murderer. 
um, as they try to figure out what exactly went wrong. And they have about 24 hours to do it before the school, which moves around from city to city, is scheduled to depart. Amazing. awesome. (laughs) Thank you. I also just want to put in a plug for Little Thieves because I loved that one. And I'm very excited about the sequel. Especially (laughs) with the pitch you just gave. (laughs) (laughs) One thing Margaret does so well in those books, I feel like, is, I mean, YA is, is such a wonderful place to find toxic relationships. And that is not what happens in these books. I feel like she does such a good job making them sing and be believable, but also be healthy. It's great. And another thing that I really love is the way the plot escalates in such a great way. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about rising action and stakes. Uh-huh. So maybe we could define first and foremost, what is rising action? First, we have to really define what action is, because I think it's easy for a lot of people to mistake that as like, you know, car chases, supermarket sweeps, stuff that is actually physically very active. And realistically, what that is, is something that progresses the plot for the genre that you're in. Um, and that doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, like a, a a horse race or something. It can be, you know, someone taking action to go go achieve their goals in some way. Like maybe going to the library to look up, you know, or to investigate the old house that, you know, they think is haunted. Um, with rising action... It's basically pushing your protagonist to go to more and more extreme lengths at more and more personal extremes to achieve those goals, right? Like, uh, I actually have a chart that I, <laughs> I use to map the tension of each, um, of each section of a book uh, specifically be- to make sure that it's, it's all sort of rising and all, like, on, on an upwards incline. And where one area of action falls off, another subplot can pick up and take its place. It's it's really helpful, and it's it's more focused on tension than necessarily action. But it really helps me map that out and make sure that everything is accelerating. It, but yeah, you want you want a sense of urgency to be propelling your story, right? And action is basically. It's, it's the cylinder of, of that in the engine, because if you have a, a huge sense of urgency and the character isn't doing anything to resolve that, you're just like, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you, like, the, there are like 16 dead people, you know, 16 people are murdered and you're still in the library? What are you doing? And you want them to be like, okay, no, you know, I'm going to go talk to someone. You know, I'm going to go find out. I can't take this action, so I'm going to go find someone who does. Or they could do something real dumb and be like, I'm going to go catch the murderer myself, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you want them to be taking increasingly drastic action to, or, you know, make, making choices to basically resolve the thing that they are focused on for the, the core of the conflict. I really like what you said about using several different methods to achieve that rising action, because I do feel like if you're writing a novel length piece of work, Mm -hmm. you can't have just one core plot. That's a short story. (laughs) Uh And so I I like what you said. If you have one thing that's escalating, it could be the romance subplot. It could be uh, plot B. It could be plot A. And all of those are related to personal character stakes. And that's Mm -hmm. why it matters to us as readers. Because we're like, oh, this part of the story is getting good now. And now this. And then hopefully all of it comes together at the same time-ish. Yeah. So we're all dying over our needing to turn the page to find out what happens with everything at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um, 
my own personal chart is called the direness chart. Uh, <laughs> it's got some, you know, some kind of crude language to describe like the y axis of that. And the, <laughs> the, the x axis is just, you know, the timeline. But um, it's broken out into things you know, or into the different subplots. Uh, each one gets basically its own line. And, you know, one is for the romance arc and like specifically not just like the romance itself, but the relationship with that particular person. Uh, and mm-hmm. with like Little Thieves, you know, the, the there's the romance arc with, with Emmerich. And then there's also the situation with Giselle, the princess whose identity she stole. Yeah. And there's also the, the friendship curse. arc. Exactly. Slash enemy arc. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there's also the curse, which is not just, you know, how bad the curse itself is getting, but how it physically impacts her. Because towards the end of the book, she actually has mobility issues because of that. Or like, you know, she experiences like some pain because of that. And um, there's also that, those are all three subplots that sort of fall under the general like, you know, there's a bad guy and there's monsters plot. Um, and whenever that sort of, you know, slackens off, it's like, OK, well, now we're going to have we're going to heighten something with the romance or we're going to heighten something with the curse, et cetera, et cetera. And that keeps it from being just a linear like you kind of want a roller coaster. Right. And it keeps it from being too linear a progression where it's like okay, well, now we're going to check the box to hit this thing, and now we have the rising action, and now we have the falling action. It, you know, it, it keeps it from being too formulaic. I was just going to say, I would be so curious to actually see one of your charts. Do you have them available anywhere, or are they, like, uh, tightly held? <laughs> right. Um, the one for Little Thieves, and, like, a short thread on it, is on my Twitter, which is what eats owls or what underscore eats underscore owls. I'm not very active on Twitter right now, not just because drafting, because that it's, it's a little bit of a cesspit right now. Yeah. Who, but, who is active on Twitter right now? Right. <laughs> um, but if you look up the like if you look up the, the words, how dire is it? And my username, you can definitely pull it up. And like it's also got a little bit of a thread of a refresher of like this is how this works. Oh, fabulous. Thank you. Uh-huh. What advice would you give to people who maybe have a tendency to get too urgent or too dire too fast? Ooh. OK, so I would. So this is where I because I was thinking about this earlier. I would turn to cinematography and um, to films and look at how different things are paced because so one of my favorite movies of all time is Mad Max Fury Road that is a very intense first half hour yes, right it is and then it stops or it doesn't stop but like it slows down you get a, a chance to breathe but you're still sort of like what's going to happen what is, what is about the uh, you know where is this going to go and um, you need that space. Um, I think a lot of Miyazaki movies do this really well, where um, they, you know, they have these these really interesting, engaging plots, but they also take time to show things like, you know, people cutting up vegetables and preparing food, people washing clothes, people doing little things that make the whole world feel real rather than just racing through it. And you need both that that time to breathe and the time to you know in, to time to narratively remind the the reader that you are in a world you're not just passing through you know the, 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 no shade on Disneyland but you're not passing through the Disneyland version of a world where you stop pick up you know refreshments and then carry on to the to the next theme ride that is a fabulous example I especially especially because um Mad Max Fury Road and Ghibli movies are so different from each uh-huh. other but I I think you're totally hitting on the right thing where like they are doing the same thing just in slightly different ways right and you know the the non-stop action exhausts the the viewer the the reader 
as much as it does the character. So you do want to take those moments to be like, here's some downtime. Here's what we're going to like. We're going to have like an emotional check in and sort of reset, you know, reassess, figure out what we're going to do and then go from there. So um, we didn't really specifically say this, but a lot of mm-hmm. times tension, or, I mean, I did say tension <laughs> is a lot of times directly related to stakes uh-huh. and what our characters' motivations are and what they, what will happen to them if they don't achieve their goal. Uh-huh. So how can you tell if your stakes are stakey enough? So I'm doing air quotes. Uh-huh. How can you tell if they're going to allow your character to, to, to rise to the level of action that's going to... To suit your genre and story and and characters. Yeah. So my thing with this, and this goes back to the diamondist chart, is that the top of that chart, like you know, at the at the top of the y-axis, is basically um, without swearing too much, it's like it's f this, yeah. f u, f everything basically, and it's this emotional, moral, personal collapse where they're they're at the point of their uh, the the situation is so bad that they are willing to break even their own most personally held beliefs to get out of it or to resolve that situation. And I think that's where you need to like, I don't think, not every story needs to have like, you know, the most world shattering stakes, right? But I think when it comes, where I see people falling short a lot is into the trap of like, you know, well, they just need to save the world. And, you know, sure, we all live in a world, we're very attached to it. We would like it to be saved. But I think it's, it's more impactful when it's like they need to change themselves in some way. They need to grow in some way to be able to save the world, right? They need to, you know, with with Little Thieves, the, the curse that Vanya has is making her face both what she's done and why she's done it. And um, it's, it's about basically um, putting, you know, giving them stakes, giving them a challenge that is going to Te- like test their own personal beliefs, their own rules, and also force them to. It's going to use every tool that they have, and also force them to learn new ones and to to address the problems that they have on a personal level. And um, that's why the the very top of the of the the axis is is um, you know this this collapse of like I will do anything I can to get out of the situation or to resolve it. Um, <laughs> And, you know, even if it if it breaks my own rules, because it means they have pushed themselves into a place where they are willing to put that, you know, put that on the table. Mm-hmm. That kind of reminds me of um, I'm Not a Serial Killer by Dan Wells. I don't uh-huh. know if you guys have read that one, um, where the story is literally about the rules that he set for himself. He has sociopathic tendencies and is obsessed with serial killers and his has set a bunch of rules for himself so that he doesn't become one. Mm-hmm. Um, but then another serial killer comes into town and he's watching it happen and nobody else believes him and he has to start breaking his own rules to catch the serial killer. So mm-hmm. um, I, I I love the way you describe that. It made me think of dance book. But um, I like that about Little Thieves as well because I feel like nothing would have stopped Vanja? Vanya? Vanya. <laughs> Vanya. I didn't listen to this book. I it's read all it. Good. It's one of those I, I read the word first things. Mm-hmm. Um, Vanya. The only thing that would have stopped her is if her life was on the line uh-huh. in a painful way, right? Pretty much, yeah. So, yeah. So thank you so much for coming on our show. Please look out both for Painted Devils and if you haven't read Little Thieves, yeah, then get that one first. And also The Grimoire of Grave Faith. <laughs> they both look amazing. I've actually already gotten to read Painted Devils and it is fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> 
If you enjoyed today's show, remember to follow and leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform and tell your friends. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at litservicepodcast at gmail.com or learn more on our site at litservicepodcast.wixsite.com slash litnation. You can also find special stenciled editions of books from our guests on our store there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>